Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Turn with me to the book of James, please. Chapter 1, we will pick up where we left off. I'm in a series as the Lord guides and gives me opportunity at least for now a series called My Favorite Passages. I preached my first sermon to about 18 courageous souls uh, about 53 years ago. So over the course of time through the teachings and messages, some have stayed in my spirit as favorites. And that's where I'm going with this series. Last week we start we started with James one. Father, we ask you that the living in an eternal abiding power and life of God that is in the Word would be imparted and released today to every hungry soul who will listen. And we pray that the Word will do what you said it will do, and that it will not turn, return to you void or empty, but it will accomplish the purpose for which it's sent out. And we stand on that promise today in Jesus' name. And all the people said, Last week we talked about the first few verses of James. We talked about the radical change in James's life from a non-believer to a radically, radically turned around man who saw the resurrected Jesus, who became the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And I said this and I'll say it again, how would you like to be the pastor of the apostles? That could be a just a bit intimidating, wouldn't you think? James, the half-brother of Jesus, sharing Mary as their mother, but James having Joseph as his father and the Lord, having the Holy Spirit as his father. We saw in verse 2 where we immediately got a challenge to count it all joy, not if, but when we fall into various trials. We talked about how the body of Christ in those early days had been scattered out of that which, was, that which was comfortable, that which they understood. How many of you know that sometimes the devil gets blamed for what God oversees? There was a mighty revival going on in the city of Jerusalem. 3,000 were even saved in one day when Peter preached a sermon. The church were so on fire with the indwelling now and infilling of the Holy Spirit that they were meeting from day to day in houses under the threat of their Jewish religious leaders and Roman persecution. But when that persecution got stirred up, the devil got the blame for it, 
But guess what God was doing? The church spread all over the Roman Empire. All those believers that had to leave that which was comfortable and familiar got placed somewhere so that they could bloom and grow in the knowledge of Jesus and share it with others. I want to tell you something today that I don't want you to ever forget. Regardless of what the devil is doing to steal, kill, and destroy, regardless of what evil men and women who are under his influence are doing to disrupt your life, God is sovereign over your life. And he is going to put you in a better place for you to more accurately reflect his glory even if you go through persecution and suffering. That is not a popular message today. But it is the truth. The church grew and multiplied and spread all over the Roman Empire due to the zeal of the Lord. No, the persecution that carried the zeal of the Lord. Sometimes the greatest fire that we're in is not meant to destroy us, but to cleanse and purge us so we will bear greater fruit. So that we will more adequately reflect the glory of God. So the Word says, Count it all joy, not if, but when, you fall into various trials. We described last week that these trials were of various colors. They looked different to different people. Sometimes... It had to do with these people being disrupted from their business and losing all their income. You ever lost all your income? There is not much greater pressure than living at a deficit. You go to bed with it, you wake up with it. It is constantly in and on you. You've never had that you ought to rejoice and be exceeding glad because I'm telling you, it is torment. Amen? Amen? A lot of these believers lost their businesses, lost their income, lost everything that they counted on for their sustenance and were driven away from everything that was familiar. Some of them lost precious relationships and the comfort and security that that gives you. How many of you know if you're a covenant man or woman that sometimes the Lord's going to do to you just like he did to Abraham? Get thee out of thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. Sometimes God is going to change your season and put you into the unfamiliar. And it's not because of some sin, it's because of some assignment that the Lord has given you. We don't ever grow until our comfort zone gets stretched. In fact, we can become so self-absorbed when we don't have any adversity that we tend to get judgmental. And that grieves the heart of God. Count it all joy. That is, give the look, tell God, thank you. We described last week that joy is not some giddy emotion. That joy is a deep down calm sense of well-being. 
It flows from your spirit. It doesn't come out of your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. And it sure doesn't arise from your body, your human brain. Real joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit that has been investing on the inside of you. It's not that we don't have joy, it's that we don't connect with the joy that's already there. We've got to get into a place of worship and praise and thanksgiving to count it joy when we encounter various trials, knowing you can't do that unless you know something, and that is to know that the testing of your faith develops patience. Now let's talk about that word develop there. It is the word katergazotai in the Greek, as we said last week, it means to work out. It means something's already there, like joy, and it has to be worked out. And for it to be worked out, pressure has to be applied from the outside. When pressure is applied from the outside, then that which is good on the inside can be developed. Sometimes it's easy for us to think that if we have to withstand any more pressure, we're not going to be developed, we're going to be destroyed. Have you all ever felt that way? I sure have. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 would tell us this, there is no test, trial, or temptation that has taken you except that which is common to man, and God is faithful and will not allow you to keep on suffering what you can't stand. What will destroy you? That's a good promise from God. This trial, these trials, every time I get a test put on me from the outside, it always reveals what's on the inside. It tells me the condition of my inferior man, my interior man, I should say. The word says, but let, by the way, the word patience there, I didn't go over this last Sunday. The word patience there comes from the Greek word hupomone, and it means to bear up, to stay put under pressure. Is that significant? Yeah, because under pressure, many, many, many run from it, to get away from it. Some run through drugs or alcohol. Some run through rebellion from the Lord in, in their own personal habits. Some run just to change environments or, or whatever. But the Word says, blessed, that, w- that something's being developed when we bear up, when we are willing to call on our inner resources in external pressure. Verse 4, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect, that is complete, mature. Can I tell you something? As long as you got skin on, you're not going to get in a perfect state. There's a circle of people that I'm aware of who believe that you can get sanctified to the point to where you don't ever have any more sin. I have one answer for that. Just look in the mirror. As long as you have flesh on, 
Romans 7 says there is indwelling sin in our body. Lodged in your brain, which is the main player of your body, there are old memories and there are responses that are connected all the way back to Adam and it's not good. Nobody this side of heaven gets sanctified to where they don't ever... You may not be conscious of a conscious, rebellious act of your will that is sin, but you just never should believe that you're free from the presence of sin, as long as you're in this body. My apologies to all the former saints who believed and taught that, who the moment they got into glory figured out that maybe they were wrong on that one. Let patience have its perfect, mature, complete work that you may lack nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, this is where we left off last time, if you lack wisdom, that is the ability to see things from God's perspective, let him ask of God, who gives to how many? All liberally and without finding fault, without reproach, without bringing up your sin, if you'll ask for wisdom, you will get it. Look at the end of that verse. It will be given to him. But, verse 6, let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose, that man who lives in doubt, let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You ever pray that God would do something, and then when you quit praying about it, 30 seconds later you find your mind forecasting a result you just prayed you wouldn't get? Three of us do. It's easy to be double-minded, isn't it? But remember this, your mind is going to constantly make forecasts that are out of line with what the Word of God tells you in your spirit and in His Word. So it's not sin to have those pop up in your mind. Well, I may lose this, I may lose that, or this could happen to me. <clears throat> that is not sin. sin. Listen, doubt is not something that is a thought. Doubt is not an emotion. Doubt is something you do. It's when you line up your choices in unbelief. You can go all the way to manifestation of the promises and still have doubts in your mind. Because your mind is constantly getting signals from the outside. The world, the flesh, the devil, other people. Your mind's always getting signals from out there. Learn to sink yourself deep into the promises of God and learn to live under the control and direction of His Spirit so that that which the Lord has told you by His Spirit in His Word that you operate on the basis of that rather than the forecast of your mind, which always are filtered through fear. Here's what the Lord is 
prompted me to share with you today on that. That was at the tail end of last week's message. Here's a question that I have been asking the Holy Spirit about myself this week. And the Lord prompted me to ask you this question. You ready? Where am I secretly or outwardly in unbelief? Where am I secretly or outwardly in unbelief? Remember this, your faith can be highly developed in one area and on life support in another. Your faith can be highly developed that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, and if you exited here right now, you'd be absent from the body but present with the Lord. You have a salvation that is firm and steadfast, and you don't ever have any doubt about it. And your faith can be highly developed in that area. But you can be driven and tossed in the area of your finances. Whether or not you're going to have enough provision to just operate in life. Where are you in unbelief? You can have highly developed faith that when you pray that there are certain things that God wants to do to save, that God is going to bless your pastor and your church, but you can be absolutely anemic when it comes to whether or not God wants to heal you. Your faith can be so highly developed in areas that you are praying for those that are mentioned to you, that are out there serving God in ministry and missions, but you can be absolutely petrified about what's going to happen to your children, your grandchildren, your associates. Where are you in unbelief? I've asked the Lord, show me where you see. Holy Spirit, search me and know me and show me where I'm in unbelief in any matter of my life. And when the Holy Spirit begins to show me, I need to do two things. Are you ready? This is not in your outline. This is free right here. This is late-breaking stuff. You know, I don't copy these outlines from anybody. And I get hurt. Listen, people all over the world are listening to our messages. Do you know that? Foreign countries, we got more people listening now in California outside of Alabama than anywhere else. It's going all over the place. But let me tell you this. Those of you who are listening to me, take the test. Where am I in unbelief? And ask the Holy Spirit, number one, to show you where that is. And number two, to fortify the walls. How do you do that? So if I'm in unbelief, I want to deposit faith where there's unbelief. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Everything I receive from God has to come through faith, right? Okay, how does faith come? By hearing what? By hearing the Word of God. 
Okay, so if I'm in a deficit in my faith as it relates to my children, my finances, my health, whatever it is, wouldn't it make sense that for faith to come in that area, I ought to find out what the Word of God says about that area? You already know what He says about heaven. You already know what He says that He will cleanse you of all unrighteousness when you confess your sin. You already know that. What do you not know? Where is your faith weak? Find out where, what the Word of God says about those weak areas and then focus on rebuilding the breach. Focus on repairing the wall. Focus on investing that which brings faith where your faith has been torn or compromised. Dean and I were highly developed years ago in spiritual knowledge, salvation, all kind of things. But then a storm hit. And we didn't have any faith when it had to do with finances. We were just victims. We didn't have any faith. And boy, was it a disaster. People see where we are today, and they don't understand. They don't understand what it's like. I've stood in line with the indigents of Birmingham to just keep my power on. I've gotten up every day and prayed just that somehow God would get us enough food to survive. I've come home and found out that my wife went and sold her jewelry to buy my son medicine. So don't think that we don't get it. And the Lord showed me, your walls are torn. You, you don't have a lick of faith. You've got all this faith in all these areas, but you have none as it relates to my provision. You get in my word, and you get on my word. And you can't make it happen. You trust me with the results. There's a difference in faith and trust, you know. You can be highly developed in faith, but you're going to have to trust God to bring the results because you can't do it yourself. And these people that are running around saying, if you just had enough faith and you said the right things, it'd all be done, you don't need to listen to that. All that does is bring condemnation. But sound, sound teaching would say this. If faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word, if there's a deficit somewhere in your life in any area, then you ought to attack that deficit with that which brings faith. Wouldn't that make sense? Go on a mission. Don't be lazy about it. Get in that word. Ask God to give you revelation about it. Because I want to show you, look at the next verse. Look, look at the next verse. Verse 9, let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation. Glory, that is, rejoice and exalt and embrace his exaltation. You know what he's talking about? 
Those of you who've lost your business, those of you who've lost your income, those of you who are at a deficit of provision and it is affecting the way you feel about yourself. Are you listening to me? Start glorying in your exalted position. You know what he's saying? Stop focusing on what you don't have and start focusing on what you do have. External blessing begins with internal revelation. External blessing. You become a magnet to external provision when you get internal revelation. I'll tell you how I learned that the hard way. Let the lowly, those who are in that place of economic pressure, focus on your high position. What do you mean, Pastor? You are a son or a daughter of the living God. Yes or no? You are a citizen of a kingdom that is not in deficit, nor will it pass away. Yes or no? Yes or no? Greater is he who lives in you than he who is in the world. Yes or no? There is no weapon formed against you that can inevitably prosper as you walk in obedience to your covenant. Yes or no? You know what? It is time for us to stop thinking about whether we're a ministry man or a businessman and start seeing ourselves as a covenant man. Get a, get a perspective from the Word of God. I'm a covenant man. I'm a covenant woman. I have a Father who is my supplier, and I believe His Word will prevail. Regardless of what I see today, I believe His Word will prevail. What are you trying to say, Pastor? Just what this Word is saying. When we're in lowly circumstances and we are being run over by the circumstances of our life we need to shift our focus to what we have and who we are if you don't you're going to get run over by circumstances like a truck and all you'll do is lay there and wander and wallow and wonder where God is Twenty, twenty-five years ago, we, we were so broke we couldn't, co- we couldn't concentrate. I, I gave you a little glimpse of it. And the Lord called us into this <laughs> faith ministry with no salaries. When the Lord, like, look, when the Lord told me that he, this is what he wanted me to do, I was in my basement one night, and I said, okay, good. I will identify a board of directors, and I'll tell them what our needs are and see if they want to pray about it and support us and The Holy Spirit said, no, you won't either. There was a silence. And you know what I'm going to ask, Tom? I said, well, what did you have in mind? How is this going to work? I have a wife. I have a child. I have responsibilities. 
And the Holy Spirit, I promise you, said to me, this is how it'll work. You get the word out, and I will get the money in. You focus on your part, and you trust me to do my part. You don't try to do my part. You don't coerce and solicit people for money. You do what I told you to do, and then I will raise them. I will tell them what I want them to do. That's a little scary, isn't it? I've never seen a ministry operate like that. Not, I'd never seen one like that. And I said, Lord, I can't do that. I, what do you want me to do? You get the word out, okay. What about all of this deficit and all of that? He said, you, you, you get the word out. I said, well, I can't give anything right now. I'm broke. The Spirit said, that's where you're wrong. He said, what's up there in your closet? And in my brilliance, I said, clothes. Well, that's highly, isn't that highly developed? Clothes. He said, how'd those clothes come? Did it cost anything material to get those clothes? Yes, sir. Well, then that has some material value, does it not? Yes, sir. Then I would recommend that you start not with what you don't have, but what you do have. I would go up there and identify what I'm about to tell you. Jack, I got up there in that closet. This is one of the, this is one of the most powerful times in my ministry that nobody knew about. I said, God, I'm dirt broke. I don't have anything. He said, you know, start giving some of these clothes. I'd find a man on the street. I went to work for an hourly wage to help a buddy in the early days of this ministry to help a buddy with his business and I made six bucks an hour just to keep my lights on. Had to turn in one of my cars. Try to figure out, okay, how we're gonna operate. All kind of things began to change. It was not fun. Y'all didn't even know that, Bill. Bill's been listening to me 20 some odd years. Y'all didn't know that. I wasn't supposed to advertise that. Well, I'd see somebody on the street, and the Spirit would say, you got to go give that man something. Oh, Jesus. The Lord led me to stop the presses on a lot of what I was doing and find every single word in Holy Scriptures about provision or money or increase or anything that had to do with provision. Now why would he tell me that? Faith comes by hearing what? Word of God. My wall that was torn down, my need had to do with what? Financial provision. I already knew where I was going when I died. I already knew the Word of God was true. I already knew I was supposed to pray and walk in the... Are you following me now? 
So I went on a radical, radical journey of finding everything I could find in the Word of God. And guess what? I was still broke. Y'all thought I was going to give you some great news, didn't I? I was still broke. I'm like, what is going on here? It's just as bad. In fact, when I started the journey, are y'all listening to me? It got worse. You ever notice when you get some faith beginning to develop, your circumstances almost always get worse? A few of you have noticed that. There will be an assault against it. You've got to learn to stand in there with that patience and perseverance. And the key is being fully convinced that the Word has more power and is more true than your circumstances. Your circumstances are subject to change. The Word is eternal. It has life and power in it. It's not going to change. So I said, God, this is getting worse. I mean, it was a disaster. One day, this went on month after month after month after month. I'm not trying to tell you this is a quick deal. And finally, I just cried out in exasperation. Y'all ever been exasperated? Now, I told y'all last week to pray for your pastor because I was having an enormous problem with patience. And I want to thank all of you for praying for me this week. I have done better. Now, I've gotten behind more difficult situations than before when you were praying for me. It's gotten, I've had more challenges this week. But God has given me more room to pass some of those people. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I'm on a journey. All right, so I said, Lord, I don't get it. I've done all I know to do. I believe the Word, stood on the Word. I've confessed the Word. I've done all I know to do. And the Holy Spirit said this to me. I'll never forget it. You don't have a money problem. And I said, have you uh, looked at my checkbook? Have you talked to my creditors? Have you seen what's going on in the garage and in the pantry and in the house? The Spirit said, you don't have a money problem. I said, well, help me understand why I'm in this place. He said, you have a fear problem. I was ready to argue. Fear. That's when the Holy Spirit said to me, your fear is related to, he was peeling back the onion, see. Don't you hate it when he does that, David? It's help, it, it helps, though. See, you're fearful because you've never really come to understand my love for you. You don't, really, you don't really believe it. There's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Isn't that what 1 John 4 says? Yes or no? 
And I said, well, why is it that I've never really come to truly understand? I'm all about performance, you know. Why is it that I don't, how can I have missed? Why do I have a deficit in understanding the revelation of your love? And then the Holy Spirit showed me the core of my issue. He said, you don't experience my love and therefore you walk in fear because of one core issue. You don't believe. You don't really believe that I love you more than I love anything in this world. There's nobody that I love more than I love you right now. But you don't have a revelation of that. You're determining how I feel about you based on your circumstances. You are determining how I feel about you based on your circumstances. And as long as you feel that way, all they're going to do is get worse. I want you to come and make an irrevocable decision that you believe me. And if, I, if you believe me, you've got to believe that I love you enough not to let you be destroyed. Are you listening to me, church? Are you listening? When you attack the wrong problem, you're going to get the wrong results. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the deep core of these issues that you're constantly walking in. Is there a deep core? Is there unbelief in my life in an area? Do I walk? Do I walk in rebellion or anger or bitterness? Do I have pride so that it has to be my way or the highway? I have to be in control of all these things. And when I'm not, I let anger and bitterness and anxiety take over. What's the root? If we don't deal with the root, we're never going to change the fruit. Holy Spirit, tell me where the root is. And then when the Holy Spirit begins to deal with us about the root, don't do what I did and argue with Him. You won't win. <laughs> you won't win. Submit and say, okay, I agree with you. Now show me, what do I do? And then, listen, so what are we talking about? Perspective. Let the lowly brother Glory in his, in his position. And then the Lord said to me, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to meditate on my word in the area where you are challenged, in this area that's got you by the throat. I want you to meditate day and night on my word. And guess what happened? When I began to meditate on the word of God, that the, the blessing of Abraham belonged to me that Jesus took the curse on himself and released the blessing to me. When, when, when God chose that in that covenant I'm to be the head and not the tail, on top and not, a, uh, and not underneath, that, that, that I'm to be the 
lender, not the borrower. That I'm to be blessed coming in and going out. When I begin to meditate on the Word of God in my covenant, guess, guess what happened? My inner image began to change. I had some of the same problems, but I faced those problems knowing that I was a born-again child and citizen of the kingdom and the king. That I was more than a conqueror. I could walk through anything I had to walk through until God brought me resolution on the other side. The change starts on the inside. If you're waiting for it to change on the outside, you're no different than the world. They can do that. You say, Pastor, that's hard preaching. No, it's just passionate preaching because I'm trying to build these promises around experiences that I've had and I know beyond any shadow of a doubt. You get revelation. You begin to ask God for deeper revelation. You begin to say over yourself what God says over you. And then you make the decision you can't see you don't stop with perspective you got to join process you know what that means you got to take some action you got to take some action you got to do something what has God assigned you to do in your business unless he has absolutely told you he doesn't want you to do that anymore keep doing it go as far as you should go Partner with him. You in financial difficulty? Do what you think you can't afford to do. Tithe. He'll open the windows of heaven for you and pour you out a blessing. He promised that you would not be destroyed. The one thing you think you can't do is the one thing that is going to help you get on the right track. I can't afford to do that. That's Old Testament. Let me tell you something. Before the law ever came in, God got into covenant with Abraham. And you're a son and a daughter of Abraham. Before that law and that tithe ever got here, your spiritual father was tithing. The Lord may have led me not to pass plates, but he hadn't led me not to teach you the truth. See, if I walk around with untithed money, I'm walking around with money that's got a curse on it. Y'all want money that has a curse on it? I can't afford that. If you can, good luck to you. Is there more to it than that? Yeah. Because the process is not just what you do on the next right step. See, those steps of obedience, they allow you to stay in position to, to experience the blessing of God where you are at a deficit. Take the next right step. Should you investigate the next right medication or procedure? Listen to the Holy Spirit. Maybe you should. Maybe you shouldn't stop and just ask the Lord what's the next right step. Well, should I look into this venture or 
you know, should I write or text my children? or what, what should I do? Ask the Lord to help you know the next right. Get involved in process. Well, what if I make a mistake? You're going to. But the biggest mistake you can make is to do nothing. Get involved in the process. Let the Holy Spirit correct you when you misstep. Well, ask the Lord, where am I in unbelief and what is my real issue so that I can deal with it by your Spirit and your Word? I don't have time to go where I planned. I didn't plan on saying a lot I said today, but you know what? Thank you for loving me and allowing me. Father, I thank you for your mighty and holy Word. Thank you, O God, that you've put us in a position of sons and daughters. We have direct access to the throne of God. Thank you that we have a high priest, our Lord Jesus, who is interceding for us right now. Thank you that your eye is on us. You are absolutely aware of any and every issue. Thank you that when we don't understand, we can trust your grace. That you're working all things together for good to those who love you. Holy Spirit, show us where we're in practical unbelief. And show us what the real issues are. And then grant us the grace to take the next right step of process. Walking out these, this journey with you. Give us inner revelation of how you see us. And we thank you for that because you've chosen to thank you, O oh God, out of your love and grace. Give us greater revelation of it. And I pray today for the children and grandchildren of all who are represented here. I ask you that you would do a mighty work of your Holy Spirit to bring them to the knowledge of the truth. that you would break and sever any cords of unbelief and deception that is in us and in them. I pray for the financial well-being today of all of these whom you've given responsibilities of provision. I pray that you would open windows and doors of blessing today giving them inner revelation of how you see them and outward encouragement by blessing their businesses. Cause them to thrive, Lord. For those who are not in financial covenant with you, show them what they're missing, Lord. Give them the grace to step into it. And oh God, how we pray today that your presence will be manifested in our, in, in, in our inner man and in this place where we worship. Grant wisdom, we ask in faith, and by faith we receive it. Oh God. Oh Jesus. Oh, for grace to
to trust him more. We'll sing that little chorus, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. How I've proved him. Now I declare today by the power and authority of the Word of God that you are the head and not the tail, that you're on top and not underneath, that you're blessed coming in and going out, that you're blessed in the city and blessed in the field, that God Almighty commands the blessing and it comes on you as you're able to receive and walk in it, and that you will be increased in the ability to receive and walk in it. We praise you and bless your holy name, O oh God. We thank you that you desire above all things that we be, that we be blessed by the riches of your glory in Christ Jesus. We receive it by faith in Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen. We'll see you next week. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.